You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Bites, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride and on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 100th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim Hayes in Orlando, Florida. Hey, this is uh, Matt in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer Howe in Boston, Massachusetts. 100 episodes, is that what you said, Tim? I said 100, which means that uh, this this show has gone on for 99 more episodes than it should have. So this yep. episode and, uh, has gone on for a century? Yes, it is. It, it, is, it's it is basically a century. Nice. Oldest guys podcast feel, in existence. Feel Because I feel like I've ridden a century with you two. It feels that <laughs> painful right now. My legs hurt. I really want like a cinnamon roll and maybe a, maybe a Mountain Dew. Yeah. What about, what about some ice cream at Ben and Jerry's? Mm-hmm. That's your style. My style is cinnamon and Mountain Dew. <laughs> I, I so, wouldn't actually know what my style is because I haven't done a century. So. Oh. Hey, Burns I got a himself. question. Have we ever actually done a century together? Not maybe the, a metric century. But I don't the, know if we've ever actually done 100 miles. Me and Spencer have done 100 miles. Yeah, we did on like 120 that day, yeah. Um, I don't know if you, you and me, Tammy. I don't know. We've done we've done close, but I don't think we've ever done 100. I, I definitely couldn't stand hanging out with Tim for that many miles. So 100 miles. See, this just proves, Tim, you got to come back at some point and, and go ride Almanza with me. Ooh. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, not a, not a gravel grinder, but, uh, you know, a hundred episodes, guys, it's been fantastic. Yeah, it's been great. Well, let's make it a hundred more. Oh man. How awesome. And there's a lot to talk about. We've got some racing. We got some, uh, advice to dish out. Um, but I, I, I just want to start off that I'd like to thank Eric Schramm, uh, one of our listeners who directed us. After our quest for how horrible cycling news has become with the, the need for script block, blockers and lack of ability to find decent results in a quick manner, mm-hmm. he directed us to a website called DougReport.com, which is uh, – it's almost like cycling news went back like 15 years. It's pretty amazing. It's just hyperlinks. It's actually like the Drudge Report, but I don't read that. Uh, I don't either, but yeah, it looks pretty good got all the essentials I've, there have you been there little guy yet i went the other day i don't remember it very clearly but i did go to it for a minute it just it just has all the links that i could want and all the ways to find the uh <laughs> the results on the top easy very easy to find uh way so thank you uh wolfgang973 on twitter very nice of you for that sweet recommendation and we put it up on twitter and a couple of other people were giving us uh shout outs about how much they liked the doug report too so that was pretty cool Nice. Thanks, thanks, Doug. So should we just get yeah. right into the Flanders 16th place contest right now so you guys can tell me 
how awesome <coughs> it is that I well, nailed it. I think with the Daniel first Moss. thing we need to do. I think the first thing we need to do is acknowledge that we never even created predictions for the Tour of Flanders last week. That's true. Nor did we even <laughs> announce that there's a 16th place competition. So I think we should retroactively go like. Hey Spencer, who do you think is going to get 16th place at the Tour of Flanders? Um, you know, I, I want to say Boonin uh, with my with my heart of hearts, but my brain is telling me maybe I should pick Daniel Oss. Oh, that's All funny. Right. That's funny. Tim. Uh, Tim, what do my, you think? My, well, oh man, well you know, I'm just I've been thinking, I've been racking my brain about what's going to happen. I really think Sagan or Peter Sagan's going to win. You probably put up a wheelie. I don't know if he's going to. He'll he'll definitely win clear enough to put up a wheelie. I don't know if he's going to go all class. And do it after the finish line or before, but I think the um, the sixteenth place competition is what I care. Now I was thinking um, Garrett Thomas would be a good pick there. That's not bad, but I don't know. Yeah, he, you know, I, uh, you know him. Maybe let let Sanko guy from Astana is kind of like oh, yeah. in that range. Yeah, you know, and he, but uh, you know, I'm, I like your pick, Spencer. I'm, I think BMC. I think the top place BMC guy is going to be in sixteenth place. They're going to maybe have a disaster. And yeah. I'm going to go with Daniel Oss. Yeah, that's a um, solid pick. That's a solid pick, yeah. Tim. Little uh, guy, who do you got for 16th place at the uh, Tour of Flanders? Oh, I'm going all in. People Pizzato. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the, no way. He's definitely going to be top five. Ooh, we can talk about that. He was top <laughs> 75 because he was 75th. <laughs> what happened uh, there? So, so, of course, Daniel Oss did take home 16th place. Little guy actually picked it, but it was on Twitter, and I yes. don't know if he used the hashtag, so it didn't auto-populate the spreadsheet, what? so he doesn't win nah, anything. fuck it, whatever. <laughs> but the bigger news was that Daniel Oss actually allowed Tom Boonin to finish in front of him, and Boonin takes 15th place to the disappointment of thousands of Slow Ride podcast listeners that I were know. hoping Tom Boonin would take home 16th That place. was going to be the comeback. That would have been the Babe Ruth pointing your bat to the outfield calling his mm-hmm. pair Roubaix shot. If he'd have finished 16th place at Flanders, he was going to win Roubaix for sure. And now oh, now, about, now, I'm questioning. I don't know. No, so now you think, think Oss is going to win? Maybe. I don't know, but think about the way that, uh, you know, Boonen, you know, in, if he would have gotten 16th place, he would have had to pay a lot of money to Vandenberg, who got 13th. Tony Martin for going to the front and crushing it with like 100K to go. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. all of that dedication of the entire... Uh, edX Quickstep team for Boonin to get 16th, and he failed. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just he lost count with what was happening, and Daniel Oss took him to the cleaners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. That's a savvy bike racer, Daniel Oss. Good job. Now, the the actual racing itself alluded to it in the uh, bit earlier. Peter Sagan takes the win 25 seconds up on Fabian Cancellara, and Cancellara. Um, was allowed to cross the finish line in a very classy move in his yeah. very last Flanders by Sepp Van Mark of Team Lotto Jumbo. I very that cool was to nice see those well. three guys go across. Now, it is a little weird. Um, it looked like Kanslera could have went with Sagan originally, but he kind of waited and kind of played his cards a little bit. and uh, He did. Uh, yeah. Just wasn't there. And, and Sagan probably would have been able to take him in the sprint, but... I mean, it was pretty awesome to see. Uh, it was a, it was a very unconsolera like move to not react to like see those guys to you know, like he had to know that was that was the move, right? And then like to not well, go for it. It was kind of early. It was still thirty k out when Kuyatowski and Sagan 
went and then Sep like, jumped on it. It was that's pretty when they far went, out still. That's when they went at the previous two races and, and those moves went to the line, you know? It's well, not like that's true. That's true. How about the just the dis- the collapse of Kiwakowski there though? Ends yeah. up finishing twenty seventh, two minutes he, down. He did blow up. But he's but Sagan yeah. he didn't blow up as much as Sep Van Mark blew up on the what was that, the the Patton the Petenberg, Pattenberg yeah. or whatever. Yeah, he's Belgium came to Belgium a hasn't still. Yeah, Belgium hasn't seen an explosion like that since uh, the forties. You know what I mean? Like it was uh Ooh. it was impressive. See, I okay, as the former history teacher, I mean the forties, sure, but if you're really trying to just really like maybe it is a little too soon for World War One jokes. But <laughs> I mean we are to like the fields of Flanders, I mean that's like the entire like identity. They're always showing like the Canadian memorial of the World War One battlefield. Anyways. Yeah, it was all of Ghent. Was I digress. Just showing World so, War One no. monuments. So Peter Sagan uh, takes a win. Consular second. Sepp Van Mark. Christoph cleans up. I was honestly get, picking Christoph before the start. I thought Christoph would be um, our our winner. That was uh, who I thought was going to take it. He did take the uh, kind of that mini field sprint. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk in a little bit about going on to uh, Roubaix. We also have Schnuffelopagus. Schnuffelopagus. coming up uh, on Wednesday. Yeah. So, I guess, overall, what was the biggest storyline here? Sagan's win, Consular going out on the podium, or was it, once again, Edix Quickstep having to settle for an 8th place, a 10th place, a 13th place, and a 15th place? With their stacked team hmm. in their home race, I think it's the Sagan win. It was such a storybook race with the the passing of the torch, basically from Cancellara to the to the to the young world champion sort of sort of scenario. You know, uh, it was perfect. It couldn't have been any better. I think. Yeah, to I got a rock star. I gotta agree with that. You know, like that was definitely the, you know, what I took away from the race too is like. The, otherwise, it played out kind of how it always does. You know, a few moves uh, really burns down to the the Quermont and the Paderberg at the end. Usually, the Paderberg is the launch pad, uh, and and it kind of was again like that's where Cancellara had to launch his final move, and unfortunately, uh, Sagan was a little too strong for him and was able to stay away. But uh, the other big news, um, obviously, was the the. BMC meltdown, uh, very oh. unfortunate for them and for Greg yeah. Van Evermont in in particular. Dude, I haven't I haven't seen a crash like that since uh, the Hincappy days of Team Postal. Ah, Team Time, Team Trial. Time Trial. Yeah, good. I mean that, that was, was that was ugly. Took on everybody except what Oss. I Seems think he like went it. down, didn't he? I don't know. I, I mean. Yeah. So that was definitely a big story, without a doubt. And, you know, Akowitz, uh I guess we haven't really heard how he's going to spin that um, disaster. Well, there's too I'm, many I'm cars, assuming, there's too many officials, I'm assuming there's too many weather, uh, amateurs cars, in the race. Yeah. Amateurs in the race would definitely yeah. be a big one. Yeah. I, um, go ahead, little guy. Oh, I, I, th- I thought I'd read that it was a Bora 18 rider that had started the crash, so... Huh. Maybe yep. maybe it was an amateur. Continental teams, there you go. So, I, I thought there was a couple of other cool uh, little stories there, one of which was in seventh place of Movistar was that Imanol That was Ar- really, Arbiti, really impressive. Who, 
That was... was in the break the entire day and mm-hmm. still hung on for seventh place. I oh. think he was the only one from the break that no, lasted the, all the way. The Wanty guy was well. He was in the later break, and so was the the Dylan guy from uh, Cannondale. Finished top ten. Yeah, as but the well. Cannon- Yeah, they but came across was, later. But they came across later. Yeah, yeah but they no. were in like they were wild, was like, in... at least fifty k out. This dude was in the early break, though. He was in the original break. Look, wow. I know you're hating on Spanish classic writers that aren't named... Um, Valverde. <laughs> Correct pronunciation, it. yeah. No, this was, a, this was a great move. I was super impressed all day. I was, I Wait, was waiting. you didn't think he went too early? <laughs> Wait, just just like a dig that one in there, little guy. Episode. That was, yeah. Hey, remember that time in episode 99 when clip show? Um, I do think show. that no, was a good I one. really enjoyed this Flanders um, for multiple reasons. First off, I found it on YouTube very easily on a live coverage. That was really cool. So I didn't have to use any like uh, dark webs to uh, find the coverage. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, it was the lack of an American rider in the top 20 was definitely an issue. I mean, you know, we didn't really get to see anything and that, that's a little of concern. The Eurosport guys were all about obviously Luke Rowe, Garrett Thomas and Ian Standard. I mean, when Ian Standard went on his attack, the Europe, Europe sport, you know, was just going crazy. So yeah. it is a little disappointing to see the UK having so much more success than American riders right now. Um, I don't know if you if that bothers you guys at all, but it it sucks when there's not an American even in the top what well, thirty forty. I mean, we doesn't really bother me. The way U.S. cycling has kind of set itself up is is for stage racing and is for the tours. You know, like we don't have that many guys that can really ride these type of races. I mean, I think we've got Ferrar, but he's kind of old, obviously. And then our next best hope is Taylor Finney, who, you know, I think... He finished was, 61st. Yeah, I think he was caught up in that crash as well. Um, you know, but I, I expect him to have a better ride at, at, uh, at Paris-Roubaix. I think he'll have a... I, I'm excited for him at Roubaix. And we'll, we'll talk about talk about that in a little bit. But mm-hmm. I, I just... It's, it's frustrating when Britain now is having such success on the road. Like, you... I don't know. It, well, they're making the investments, the English, you know. Uh, yeah, well. Yeah. So, well, that was cool. Well, a doctor involved. Who knows? The, well, speaking of British doctors, little guy, awesome segue into the <laughs> doping scandal that we're not going to get into too much, but the Doug Report has plenty of links on it. It looks <laughs> at, like a, um amateur cyclist fessed up uh, when prompted to reduce his sentence and told the world where he got his drugs told they didn't the even reduce his sentence though i i didn't read too much on it other than that this doctor thing. this doctor named boner um has been prescribing uh testosterone and epo from his wellness clinic which seems to be the old alex rodriguez way around it down here in miami mm-hmm. and um you know i think there's going to be more to this story this has kind of got the operation puerto like start to it but the best part is it's not in spain so the blood bags aren't gonna be hung out in limbo for a while i think that they're actually gonna investigate this one hmm. well i don't know if i have any more faith in it's the same larger organization of wada and various other um not maybe the most trustworthy organizations always involved in these things but at least all the uh reporting will be in english so it'll be That's easy true. for us to, to follow it and it and it won't be in a 
Playboy magazine that I'll have my friend send me from Barcelona that has all of the pictures of the blood bags, like the original Operation Puerto. Which, um, which when, you when only read for the Spanish articles. Yeah. yeah. We, we know. Yes. We know. You're so, so bothered by the fact that you had to get a nudie mag with bike racing info in it. I mean, uh, oh, <laughs> please, nobody send me that. <laughs> <laughs> so up next, uh, um, you know, the, the Tour of Flanders, fantastic, great time. But probably the overall best part about the weekend was that the 13th running of the women's edition of the Tour de Flanders actually had live coverage of the last 40K. Yeah. Including um, I was the Eurosport coverage that they were showing the men's race. They were actually even panning over for the final like climbs and final K during the men's race. It's a step in the right direction. I think yeah. we all agree that we want full coverage. But – how many times has even the Eurosport commentators talked about, like, hey, we've got, like, we know the camera images exist, and they're not putting us over onto that coverage, so we can't even call it. Yeah. Yeah. At least this time, they did. And, of course, the winner, the other world champion, to compliment to, so Peter Sagan can compliment her on the podium, Liz Armistead takes a bike throw win over Emma Johansson of Wiggle High Five and Chantel Block. Takes the third place sprint and remains mm-hmm. in the lead of the Women's World Tour over American national champion Megan Garnier. That is, what, four Bulls domain racers in the top six? Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, the most dominant team in cycling, they tore it up. And yeah. Liz Armistad looked unbeatable in that world championship strip. Man, I don't know. I thought she looked beatable. I mean, I know she won, but, like, that close. race was a nail-biter. It really was. <laughs> it, was. it was awesome well, to watch. Yeah, it was, yeah, with that group coming up behind, I, uh-huh. and the way she was having to lead up that sprint, I, I didn't think she was going to take it, but, yeah. It almost but, came back together. It, yeah. Like, the photo finish, you can see everybody in it. Was it was really close. It. Yeah. Yeah, that was nerve-wracking. Um, I got to say, though, double rainbows. Yeah, is I I I don't know if that's ever happened, and I don't actually we don't have the research the crack research team to look if it's ever happened if the, yeah, the our, women's and the men have won on the same our, day. Our intern is really I don't think been it's happened lately. It's, yeah, I don't think it's ever happened before because I believe this is the first men's world champion to win Flanders since what the eighties, and I no. think this is only since Tom did it. Oh, yeah, a certain Tom Boonen, but. But sorry, since Boonin, but I don't think that there's been a, a double. Yeah, well, no, I'm not even rainbow. saying just this race, sorry. like just generally how, how often I forgot when about there Boonin. are two two races on the same day that you have the women's world champion and the men's win the same race. Right. Probably no, I mean, completely forgot yeah. about. You don't get that many chances where both both fields are racing the same yeah. course on the same day, let alone both world champions. In the race, let alone both of our champions well, winning the race. It's, well, you know, it's the last day. the last time the men's and the women's world champion won on the same day was was at the Louisville World Championships. Yeah. Definitely the world champion that day, and then the women's world champion that day. Yeah, yeah. They did. And the yeah, juniors and the U23s. Yeah. They all won that day. Yeah. Hey, so PFP was back, took eighth place. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. realize that. So, That's cool. So you got to figure with Marianne Voss doing quite well mm-hmm. in the midweek race and her first race back. You got PFP back. Yeah. I mean, we do have the 
the possibility of some real fireworks happening later on in the season with the um, you know the continued yeah. uh, schedule of, of what's going on. So well, I, I do think that there's there's some uh, there's still room for a lot of excitement. That's just it. The, uh, like it's been so exciting up until now, and it's only going to get better. You know. Well, do you think that the excitement is kind of taken away by just the domination of one team? I mean, they've won every single race on the Women's World Tour. It is very impressive. I don't know the last time there's been that kind of dominance in cuz it's not just it's not one rider winning every race. Yeah. It is a diverse diversification yeah. of the podium. It's a team rivals. effort for sure. Yeah. Um but not all these have been just a couple have been, you know, solo breakaway style dominance, but like, you know, they like Flanders, like we we're just saying, like came down to a bike throw between the two breakaways who just barely survived over the charging chase group. Like it could have went any which way, like there could have been five or six different potential winners, like had the finish line been 20 meters one way or the other, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. So. Now it, it is disappointing in that, you know, you have this great experience with the Tour de Flanders, the women get TV coverage. By all accounts, it looks like it went really well. There was crowds all around, especially at their separate start. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I would think everyone would say it was a success. And mm-hmm. here we are leading into the next monument of the season, the third one of the season, and arguably to most, you know, arguably the bigger race, yeah, I think, worldwide than Tour of Flanders is Paris-Roubaix. And there is not a women's version of the uh, Paris Roubaix on the same day. In fact, the women's world tour doesn't continue until the twentieth of April, um, four twenty for uh, women's flesh alone. And so, you know, you kind of have this gap, and it, you know, steps in the right direction, baby steps for sure. We're definitely seeing that, but it is a uh, frustration that we don't have a women's uh, Paris Roubaix, and it makes the question like, why not? Like, I don't understand why they can't run two races on the same course. Um, yeah. You know, it's the, the, the crowd's there. Yeah. The course is there. It's already closed. Start the women an hour and a half early or an hour and a half after, and it would be fine. I don't get it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. that's something to petition for and to, and to push for. You know, like, we didn't get a Flanders out of thin air either. You know what I mean? Like... Um, but it just shows, you know, how much how much further there is to go, how much more potential there is, um, but how, also how much, you know, so we've gained over the last few years. Like, It is steps in the right direction. You yeah. know, we have the women's uh, U23 cyclocross championships. I mean, you know, things, yeah. are, things are getting there. Yeah. And without further ado, I think, uh, gentlemen, we need to give credence to the 16th place champion of the Tour of Flanders. And the 16th place winner of the Tour of Flanders is a racer that we know quite well here at the Slow Ride Podcast because uh, she has the history of beating us at the Kenosha Velodrome uh-huh. uh, on, on one occasion. Not, not me. Uh, on a Tuesday night in June, about 2005, when she was heading back to California from Trexler Town, where I believe she won something like five national championships that year. Of course, we're talking about American Corinne Riviera taking 16th place for the United Healthcare team. Congratulations to Corinne Riviera in her very oh. first tour of Flanders for That's 16th awesome. place. So just to prevent uh, our, our good friend of the pod, Derek Lewis, from writing us in again, it's Corinne, Corinne Rivera. Oh. Rivera. 
So. Oh, Rivera. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, he's, yeah. Well, he's, I'm not known for proofreading. Yeah, that's no. true. But she did. She but, did a great job uh, getting 16th place. She did a great job destroying us in the amateur races in Kenosha uh, when she was, what, like 12 or 14 or something. It was, you know, it was impressive then. It's impressive now. You know, Derek can continue to email us in on all corrections. In fact, Derek, please email us because we'll make sure to do like every other time you send an email. We won't read it on the air. Yeah. And um, with that, I think we should move on from Tour of Flanders and uh, go right on into the next biggest race of them all. And that is the Wednesday showdown of Schnedelpreis. Last year's winner, Alexander Kristoff, is in the race. And I believe Kittle is also lining up who's won it the three prior editions, 2012-2014. Do you guys think anybody can challenge Kristoff um, for the victory at this midweek classic between Flanders and Paris-Roubaix? Absolutely. Oh, my God, I'm yawning. Oh, I don't care. It's a sprinter's race. Yeah, okay. So, well, we gave it as much credence as we can. <laughs> Last year, Edward Thunes did get second. Did he? That's good. It's got a good yeah. name, and you, I mean, we need, you're right. We need to give... Tyler Farrar, his credit, you know, he did win he's, this race. He did win it. He's been on the podium. Yeah, he could be there. So, do you think you think Farrar is the team leader? Or you think they're going to let Cavendish be the team leader or Bernard Eisel? I would think I mean, Cavendish is the leader if he shows up. Uh, I would think Farrar is second fiddle if Cavendish crashes out, and I think Eisel is. He's the. He's got to be more of a Roubaix man, right? <laughs> Bernard Eisel is the leader. So if if we can use the time warp, if we can if we can use like a time machine to bring dimension data to different time periods, they have a sprinter for every single year of the last ten years. So Eisel would be their sprinter in two thousand seven. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Two thousand nine, Ferrar would be their leader. Yeah. Um, what about Renshaw? Where's Renshaw in there? Renshaw would be their leader. Was it like two years ago that he thought he could be he could yeah. win bike races and not just lead out bike races? So uh, two thousand fourteen, Renshaw's their leader. Yeah. Um, they have they have a sprint leader for every ra- for every year of the last ten years or nine years yeah. I guess you only get nine riders. So is there any um, dark horses or any other reason that we should watch this race? I mean, it's not Roubaix, but it is uh, you know an important I, race. I, I think guess. here's what I think. I think it's great that it's a, a Wednesday race. I think there should be like a like a little mini Belgian Wednesday sprintery race every Wednesday, like just. It's it's not like real bike racing with hills or anything really interesting, and it's just sprinters. But it's like it gets you over Wednesday. It gets you through the week. You know, like mm. you, midweek you're starting to kind of oh, I haven't watched any bike racing. I haven't seen a classic. You need just like a little shot in the arm to get you to the next weekend. So you know, I, isn't um, that's why I think it's good. I I think the midweek races are the best. <laughs> I mean, that's why the tour is awesome in July, right? Because you can kind of like watch the little Tuesday uh, afternoon bike race. Yeah. yeah. It's like binge watching a, a Netflix show. You just turn it yeah. on every day, and you're like, "Oh God, I can't stop watching." Yeah, I, well, I don't think we need I to get... be unproductive every morning. <laughs> yeah, till you finally. I don't think burn we need out. to get too into this uh, race because Pipo is not on the start list for South. Well, okay. Venezuela. Well, all right, let's because let's, he's let's... saving himself for Flint or for uh, Okay, well, no, let's back up here, Spencer. Okay, uh, you're the people defender, so you have to you have to account for the fact that he got seventy fifth. Mm-hmm. He yep. talked a big game going in. Yep. He's not riding Roubaix. His team was not invited to Roubaix. Uh, so that was it. Flanders, that was his season. 75th, what happened? Have you been well, talking to him? What's going he, on? Yeah, he tweeted. He actually tweeted about it. He said, uh, you know, he had to put his feet down. 
on uh, on the Koppenberg, and that was it. So he was clearly not in a good position. Yeah, uh, stuck a little too far back. I think That's... maybe the Southeast Venezuelan team uh, was not able to bring him uh, to the fore uh, leading That's... into that. So. That's a pretty weak excuse, considering I doubt Salgan had a teammate anymore at that point, and he managed to float up that climb. Pipo, I don't know, man. 75th, I really was expecting a top 10. I'm, I really, I'm, I, I'm disappointed, I actually, yeah. and I'm not even a fan. I mean, I thought, I think he You're was a expecting fan. a top a 10 as well. I'm a little bit. He's sort of like watching. I don't really like him as a rider in any way. But he's been around so long, and he's been infuriating me for so long, and I've watched so many races with Spencer or chatting with Spencer, and mm-hmm. and he's seen Spencer get excited about him, and that that I'm, it starts eventually rubbing off on me, and I'm like, I'd like to see that guy actually do something. And <laughs> every five years, he pops his head up and suddenly gets like a decent result, but he doesn't win anything. It's frustrating. He's well. infuriating. I think I've said this before. He's infuriating. But 75th my, is really infuriating. After it's my favorite all the kind of signs. bike racer. <laughs> oh, God, man. What the hell, people? I can't like I the winners. Yeah, well. I mean, he's not going to be at Paris-Roubaix, but let's just slide right into the Paris-Roubaix right. conversation because we're done with Schnedo Pris. I mean, I'm gonna, just going to pick Kristoff. I don't think anybody's going to be able to touch him. I'm picking Ferrari. Um, and the, and that's going to go right into um, my pick for Paris Roubaix is going to be Kristoff. I think that you know there's 53 kilometers of uh, <laughs> wait a second cobbles you, and Kristoff's uh, going to win that. You picked Kristoff for Flanders. You're picking Kristoff for Snuffle Up against, and you're picking Kristoff for Paris Roubaix. Are you just picking Kristoff until he wins something? <laughs> like is that the strategy? Kind of, I'm I'm kind of thinking it's the reverse um, super rookie curse. Uh huh. Like, if I pick him enough, then it's bound to, you know, Murphy's Law would say that he's going to win. Yeah. That's not yeah. a bad strategy, I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm not going to pick, like, a Lars Boom as much as I want Lars Boom to win because then Lars right. Boom it's just like crash and break a collarbone. It's like bone. playing roulette in Vegas. Like, you don't put it on, you know, red 9 one time and black 11 the other time. Like, you just keep playing the same number over and over again because... Yeah, yeah. yeah. You put it on black or you play, you know, you play the corners. Yeah, And, sure. uh... Oh, you, you probably know, have a system, don't you? Oh yeah, there's definitely a system to win. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, okay. right. it's always right. on red. Always right. on red. But every fifth roll, every every fifth roll, you put it on green. Green, double zeros, yeah. and zero. Yeah, that's a terrible move. All right, so you're going, you're going with Kristoff. Uh-huh. I'm going to go with Kristoff. I think that just Do you, gotta, you know, Katusha. If anything, I've seen. In the last two races, between Team Katusha guys on debut so, to the world circuit before the punch heard around the world, that was at Genvelgum. Katusha yeah. was there in the break. Mm-hmm. At Tour of Flanders, guess who was there in the break again? Katusha. And it gives Kristoff a free ride, and I think Kristoff's right. going to be able to pull it off. So, okay. Tim, uh, that's fine. You can pick your, pick your Kristoff, but uh, what size of group do you think will come to the line that he's going to win out of? About I get this from five. everybody as well. So five, okay, five, right. five people, five to seven, I'd say. Okay, what do you what do you got, little guy? What uh, who's gonna win and what size of group is going to the line? I think Cancelera is gonna win. I think he's yeah. not he's not letting this one get away. He's yeah. gonna attack early. He's gonna put down a the classic Cancelera like fifty k out, 
solo everybody off. I think he's going to win solo, and I think Sagan's going to clean up the sprint from six or seven dudes uh, for second place. But so I, how much money is Councilor going to have to pay out to get the opportunity to win Roubaix in his very last race? <laughs> I don't think he's going to have to pay anybody out. It's hard he's to like, get... oh, I delivered you donuts, and then donuts is the key word for cash. I don't know, man. When he's I'm, like I said, he's gonna attack. He's gonna go long. He's gonna go like 50k out. He's gonna. I think he's gonna do the complete opposite of Flanders, where he waited. He tried to play it cool. He tried to like save himself and not tow too many other riders with him. I think Roubaix. He's just gonna. He's gonna put the team on the front. He's gonna use Devolder up at 60k. He's gonna use the S the Stunive guy. He's gonna use Thunes up, and he's just gonna charge off the front. Super long. All right. All right, so what what do you got, Spencer? I am going to go out on a limb a little bit and I'm going to I'm going to say Trek Factory Racing is going to win this race. Oh, you think it's the decoy? I think it's going to be the decoy. I think they're going to throw a man Thunes. up the road. Yeah. Thunes. for Cancellara and the other teams are going to look, and they're going to watch Cancellara, and the, that man is going to get away, and that man is going to be Edward Thunes. Oh, nice. I think he's going to win this race. And yeah. I, I I, think that because if be they too. bring him back, Cancellara will win. And I think he's going to win it solo, but not by much. Like a couple, There'll be a smattering of guys behind him. Um, yeah. The, the, that's the start a, that's list is pretty stacked. Definitely but a way it could go. I, th- it, I think he, I think he goes you know seventy eighty k out like in a group Eevee. like well the Forrest Arenberg well, around this, there that's you, a horrible idea why would you, you do that you get your you get your break going through the Forrest Arenberg you get about fifteen twenty guys off and he'll make the break out of that later on yeah but uh, I, it'll I, be the decoy I do agree Trek does need to play this. Well, they could play it the way I said, which they probably won't. It'll, probably more like what you do. They're going to do a classic quick step, which is that yep. they've got... They've got DeVolder, too. Yeah, they've got DeVolder. they got, what's-his-name, that won the race. I can't pronounce his name. Stuyven or whatever. And yep. they've got Thunes. And then Cancellara, who obviously nobody wants to go the line with. Nobody wants to go yeah. solo with. Um, Gregory true, they have to do a classic. fourth at Paris-Roubaix, too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <sighs> They they have Rast. to do a classic quick step and just send mm-hmm. somebody up the road and you know they've got five guys that can win this yeah, race. And so Thunes is a beast around. and I think he's going to be the guy to go and I think they're going to leave uh, uh, Devolder back to work with Cancellara like he did in in Flanders. Yeah. So he's right. not there, the Devolder. Used guys, to there's so much to talk about here on Roubaix. Like this, the start list is stacked. So yeah, Chavanel. Does Chavanel go top ten? No. no. Okay. He didn't ride very well <laughs> in Flanders. Who's the team leader for Dimension Data? Boston Hagen, Eisel, yeah. Ferrar, Cavendish. Boston Hagen. Hmm. yeah. I don't know. Ferrar could have a good race. Uh, who will be the top placed American? Ferrar or uh, Finney? Finney? Ferrar. Finney. Oh man, what? Tim, what do you think? <laughs> Come on, Tim. Oh, you to- totally this. Taylor Finney. Yeah. Oh. I'm gonna go oh, out man. right now. Taylor Finney's getting 16th place. No way. Taylor Ferrar's gonna beat Taylor. Finney. I think sixteenth uh, place. I'm thinking Ooh, Tom Boonen doubles up on the sixteenth places. I think he's gonna be sixteen at Roubaix as well. <laughs> he can't double up because Oz got sixteenth. <laughs> well you, um, Oz could be sixteenth. He should have been. Who's gonna he's be the seven. top top placed uh Edix quick step rider? Oh Vandenberg, man. Stein. Vandenberg over Steinbar? 
Yeah, Stybar is Stybar is, Stybar is overcooked. As yeah. as as I've heard other places, like he was good earlier in the year, and it looks like he just did too much. He trained too hard, and he is like he needs a break you think, right now. Yeah, you think there's a chance that uh, Quick Step sits there and goes, Tony, I want you to go on the attack, 50k out. Consular so. goes with him, and then Tony shows Consular a clean set of wheels and says, "This is how time trials are done." No, and just rides away. He that hasn't been happen. riding well enough either. It's going to be Terpstra, you know? He's just been he too good. He hasn't been riding well enough either. He's but, been riding well enough. He's been riding better than everybody else. Yeah, the problem... Do you think the problem with Quickstep is that they don't have enough Belgian guys on the team? Well... I mean, because they got Trenton, Italian, Tony Martin, German, Terpstra, not Belgian. Dutch. I'm sure he's what? He's Dutch. 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 Yeah. And then you got Stybar, who's from Czech, Czech. Republic. Yeah. And then you got Boonen. Yeah. And then a bunch yeah, of guys yeah, no, that no one knows. I don't know where Boonin's from. You got Stein. Um, yeah, Boonin and Stein. That's it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think the real problem with them is that they're, they've got a whole bunch of guys who are second tier right now. Okay. So he, here's another rapid fire question, Tim. What In what place in the top 10 will the top place Wanty guy be? Because there will be one up there, because there always is. Oh, 10th place. And it will be tenth an unzipped place? jersey. And it will be that uh, Marcato guy. Okay. It will be that Marco unzipped Marcato? jersey. It will be the yeah. Italian. Yeah, yeah, pick who Marcato. it is. It could be anybody, but, you know, what place are in the top 10? Okay. They don't even know who it's going to be. What do you got, little guy? Oh, um, top place wanty guy. Where in the top 10? 7th? Seven? Okay. Uh, that's yeah. about what I was thinking. I'm going with 8th. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. he'll be nice. in that group, but he won't be able to sprint. So he'll yeah, just start exactly. Hanging on by the skin of his teeth, but he won't I care. Mean, he'll be so happy. Yeah, that'll be awesome. I'm very excited. Okay, I, wait. I am super excited for Paris Roubaix. Here we go. Who highest place top sport rider? It's kind of. I'm the same assuming question. they're in the race. I don't Trick know question. Who. Trick question. None of them will finish. <laughs> oh. Little guy, what? Uh, who's your Who's your 16th place guy, little guy? I'm I'm staying consistent with what's done me right. I'm saying Oss all the way. That hair, okay. that hair can't. He couldn't get that hair above 16th place, but so, it can't fall below 17th either. So we're all excited for Paris Roubaix okay. naturally because it's an ASO race. That means it's probably not going to be on YouTube. It's going to be a little bit more difficult to find. Um, we'll for find those it. of you that have Roku, I have found that if you go into Roku, you download the YouTube channel. You can go to the live channels. And then you can find all types of uh, cycling. Uh, I watched the Canadian Track Championships the other day uh, for a little bit. It's kind of all craziness is being streamed on YouTube now. How do you have time for this? It was just on in the background. <laughs> it was on right after Tour of Flanders. So, oh, anyways, God. Tour of Flanders is done. Paris Bay is around the corner. The third monument of six on the season. And we're very... <laughs> Okay, that's an old joke from, like, what, episode 32? This is our 100th episode. We're bringing out all of the... Uh, all of the old jokes. Do you guys think if George Hancapi... Like, a, we could insert a young George Hancapi into this race. Uh-huh. He could win it against Hincapie, this Because we all know these guys aren't quite as fast as they used to be. I'm using air right. Hincapi in his prime, could he win the 2016 Paris-Roubaix? Is that what you're asking? That's what I'm asking. Is he better... Was he better than no. Peter Sagan is right now? Than could Kinsler? a 2002... No. George Hincapie beat 2016 Peloton. I'm saying, yeah, all the way. He just I mean, right he'd probably be like 3 4% faster. Yeah. <laughs> Easily. He's got yeah. 3 4% more ears. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't know. That's a it I think I think Hincapie would get about 10th place and he'd have a chance, but Oof. it would require him to attack. 
And then he wouldn't attack, and he would just be like, well, if I attacked, I wasn't going to even get, you know, top five, so I just, he you know, does, I didn't want to do it. He does have that hesitation thing. He, he is basically the American people of Zotto. Oh! You know, I'm a firm, I'm a firm believer that when it comes to bike racing, you got to go big or you got to go home. You got to do what Kiwakowski did, right? I'm, you got to go out there, you yeah, got to lay it all out there on the line, and you either win it. Or you finish two minutes down in thirtieth place. Tim, yeah. we we I gotta cut you off. We gotta circle back to this little guy. You just dropped a bombshell. You just shattered everything. It's that true. I, it's that true I've though. Thought for the past ten years, it's just all been shaken up. Oh, think about it. Both the of them are gorgeous. Similar. Everything's the hair, similar. They're both beautiful men. Oh, I can't. Um, I'm assuming Peebo is doped. He's taken some sort of minor suspensions, I believe. I mean, um, well, he worked with oh, Ferrari for a while. Yeah, he worked with Ferrari a couple of times, <laughs> those sorts of things. Uh, they both won some big races, but never seemed Ooh. very dominant when they did it. This sort of chance. Um, Was Pizzotto ever tabbed as a GC threat after one miraculous <laughs> mountain stage? Probably. I think he won uh, Torino before Torino got all hilly, and I'm sure the Italians uh, freaked out and said he was the GC hope for the uh, future. God, I so, need to take a walk or something. Fuck. Messing with your head, isn't it? It is. <laughs> Tim, are you ready well, guys, for are you ready for an email, Tim? I mean, uh yeah, know. send that over I mean, and when you're doing that, I just want to say like, hey, did you guys watch the Sunny King Criterium? You know, it was the first race of the new pro road tour of USA cycling. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Uh, yeah, race? well, exactly. <laughs> I did um, not. Travis see McCabe it. of Holowesco Citadel took the win, and apparently United Healthcare and Astellis still have um, big teams. The big one, though, is U.S. Elite Criterium Champion Daniel Holloway, which you guys may not know this, but he is on Giant Racing, took fourth place. He's not even on a big team this year. He's kind of just uh, out there with a small regional team. That is how far the pro men's domestic tour has come is that we didn't even know that there was a big race going on i mean it's it's kind of sad and the sunny king has been around for a long time where is this without myerson racing king? i just don't care it's in alabama true. like really? I, i'm sure there's some really great racers and some cool dudes in there but it's like i watched it when myerson was racing but i guess i just don't want to watch a domestic race unless chris horner's in it for team lupus yeah, I'm gonna start watching when when Horner starts showing up in these races. Yeah, you let me know when he when he shows up. Uh, I'll tune in. He's gonna get that lung thing cleaned up, cleared out. They're gonna go in there with a vacuum and clean it up, and it'll be fine. And other sure. news: um, Bicycle Retailer reported that uh, the UCI did re-sign with Red Bull, so Red Bull will once again have the exclusive partnership for cross country downhill and um all of the mountain bike world cups so i'm actually really stoked about that because the coverage that red bull provides for the mountain bike races is second to none especially the downhill um really actually stoked about that because you can watch it streamed live and it's fantastic some good race in there that's pretty cool Tim. All right, well, I got this email from a uh, little guy, and I'm just going to um, start uh, opening this up. Do you guys have anything else? We do want to say that uh, we have yet to get a review in the last month on iTunes and Stitcher. Just go to iTunes, look for Slow Ride Podcast, and leave us a review. It helps with our rankings. Yeah. Um, as you uh, 
start to go around. And then also I want to thank um, uh, all of the supporters on the Wide Angle Podium Network who have donated some money to the Slow Ride Podcast to help pay for our uh, service fees and other cool things that we have uh, going on in the world and hopefully new microphones. Uh, little guy is going to upgrade from the cardboard microphone holder that he has to actually something <laughs> made of possibly aluminum. Um, Not I resonant. have now listened to all of the other podcasts on the network. The Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program is a nice show. I am a big fan of Kids Don't Follow with our friends Taylor, Elliot, and Bill from Crosshairs where they sit back and they talk about music and what's going on right now. And today or this week they kind of delve into the Athens, Georgia scene as Elliot is reporting from there. So that was a, a lot of fun. Talking about a lot of REM, little uh, B-52s. Yeah. But yeah, good stuff. It's good stuff. Uh-huh. I can, All right, I can, All right little guy. I Did you open this link? Tim, Tim is just reading this email that you've sent him. No, and trying to I haven't read anything. discern what exactly is going on here, which I had to do for a good few minutes here. All right, uh, minutes. So guy, what you had I'm to open at, this for mi- you had to look at this for minutes to see what's. what's I am looking Tim's at specific a technical booklet. I'm uh, looking at a technical booklet here. I figured yeah. it out. Uh, little guy sent me an email. It's a scanned picture. Okay, scroll um, your eyes down to the bottom. I think what I'm seeing is something called the Skybike. Now re- read that little which bit. Is a there, man-powered monorail system. That would be the ideal transportation for cyclists. No dogs, cars, rain, chuckles, and you can lay back in comfort with a windbreak to shelter. It is under consideration by several important organizations. Totally. But none so far, <laughs> but no so far have put up any money. Wouldn't our kids be a lot better off riding one of them to school in place of the buses? Nice. That's huh? an awesome idea. Now so this, this is, is a, a, a cable yeah. car suspended above the roads that you're pedaling inside of some sort of. It's a monorail. It's a bicycle monorail. This is from a high E engineering, uh, like their pamphlet. Their pamphlet from uh, 1979. It's got all their hubs and all their uh, goofy spokes and all the other cool shit that high E used to make back in the day. Um, and right there at the bottom, they got a sweet little monorail. Now I've never heard of high E engineering. Oh man, Have you guys! Google high E engineering, and you'll see some pretty cool anodized hubs from the 1980s. They made some, e some goofy, um, goofy mountain bike stuff. Do you see that? E stands for efficiency, yep. and high means lots of it. Well, did you nice. read the little section right before uh, the sky bike section, Tim? Right above it, there, the living longer and enjoying it more section. Blood circulation is the key to health. Yeah. Getting old is having a lot of residue blocking up the small passages of our system. Legs as exercising pump blood that aid the heart, and spinning them fast does its best. Drink lots of water and ride a bike. I love high E. What the hell is this? I I mean, look at this is some <laughs> solid gold here from oh, this is good stuff. High E Tech. Um, high E engineering. They made some really Nashville, cool Tennessee. They make some really cool vintage uh vintage mountain bike parts. Um Back in the day, do you think that they have? You think that? I mean, they you actually think built this monorail camera. bike. Um, they have a patent for it. I have no idea. Like I want I page just... twenty-seven of this. Oh, uh, I can get you page oh, twenty-seven. I guess we're on it. No, yeah. we're on it right now. This is the last page. Do you have this? No, no, no. This is off the uh, the Mombat uh, Mombat dot uh, org website. In the you know they they got their whole museum of. Uh, mountain bike history in there and and they got all the parts and you know a bunch of scans of old uh 
catalogs and stuff from the 70s and 80s of all these old manufacturers so deep in the deep in there one night when i was going through looking at every (laughs) old bicycle part ever so that i could uh, be well versed uh to acquire them all at some point um i found this and uh yeah figured it was right up your alley all right so not bad so do you guys think the prototype of this bicycle monorail exists somewhere I hope so. I think the guy, I think the main dude from High E is still alive. We could, um, we could try to find. No, him I mean, there's a down. phone number right on this thing. If you just give him a call. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, we should do that. Uh, if anyone uh, out there in S- Slow Ride Podcast Listening Land um, lives in Nashville, Tennessee, and they want to uh, go over to one two four seven School Lane. Uh, mm-hmm. That's where high E used to be. Maybe dig around in the back. Maybe there's See, a there's sky bike that looks like a monorail. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Please let me know because I'll be up there on next flight. Oh, yeah. So uh, that, that was pretty exciting, as you guys know. I'm a big monorail fan connoisseur. Yeah, um, very exciting to hear that the sky bike existed at one time. Um, but we did get email advice question that we didn't get to last week, and this comes from Joe Dalton at Holy Cross University. He says, hey, guys, I've always been an avid rider, rider, but I've gotten deep into the sport since leaving college. When I got my first real job out of school, I bought a bike, slammed the stem, and have been riding every day since. Fuck yeah. I'm based in Boston and looking to get into racing, but I don't know how to start. Should I just show up to the Wells Avenue crits and hope to not get dropped mm. in the first lap? I'm a strong rider, but I feel clueless when it comes to racing. Well, I've been to Boston what one time. You... I'll handle this one. Uh, okay. Yeah, what you should you... totally wait, do wait, that. Wait, 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 Oh, what did one. you wish you knew? What did you wish you knew when you started racing? <laughs> I wish that I knew um, that no matter what, you're going to get dropped in your first ten races. Yeah, that's true. Like, like yeah. I wish I knew that it was going to be a bitter pill to swallow. That no matter what. You're just going to get dropped. I wish I knew how to clip into my pedals faster because <laughs> there was a time uh-huh. when I would get on a crit and I would be off the back within the first 20 seconds and I didn't know what to do. Yeah, God, that sucked. Bike I wish I knew terrible. that you shouldn't wear a cross, that you shouldn't ride a cross bike to your first crit. Hmm. Well, you could do that. You could pull you that You should just off. put some road tires on there, though. Yeah. Well, I didn't know how to do that. I just brought my cross tire. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. That, that would require me knowing something about a bike. Yeah, that's the, true. What What do you guys wish you knew when you started racing? Man, uh, that's. I think that's that's pretty good advice. I'd say I probably got dropped hard in my first twenty to thirty races. I don't think I finished in the group until like a Hopkins crit, maybe like two years, three years in. <laughs> I don't know Jesus. why. When I think back about it, it's like I can't believe I kept doing this crap. It's unbelievable. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, that's it just uh stay strong. Someday you'll finish there in the yeah. group. And then you just will and it'll be fine and then you'll start thinking about winning and you'll be pissed off when you don't win. It'll be weird. Yeah. It shifts pretty quick. Like you go from like terrible to okay. Like suddenly the the switch just kind of flips and you're like, "Oh wait, I get it." And then or maybe yeah. there's just more new people who are newer than you. And so they're they're the ones getting <laughs> dropped or whatever. I don't know what it is, but yeah. Well, judging depending on if I ra- if I do any of the crits coming up here very soon, I might have gone from okay to terrible pretty quickly again too, though. 
because yeah. I, I, I would I say think that there's things that I did that were okay. Like I liked not being on a team when I first started, so then I could like figure out what team I wanted to be on. Yeah, yeah. Like, I thought that was a, like a good way to do it, so you could kind of like just see who the cool people were. <laughs> right. That I mean, that kind of ties into what I was gonna say is. Um, the one thing I wish I would have done maybe a little differently was just like not worry about it so much. Cause you know, I was like, Oh, I need to have like a bike that's nice enough and I need to have, you know, a kit that's like blah, blah, blah. And that whole kind of thing. And it really doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like you just show up. I mean, I've raced crits with dudes like in, you know, bibs and a t-shirt, you know what I mean? Like, who show up and they they pin their number onto that T-shirt and it's flapping around and you you kind of look at them in the crate and you're like huh whatever my first ever race like, was a, I, I but wore nobody a cares degree. yeah nobody cares like nice. it's I mean everybody looks really serious and really whatever but you're you're lining up in a Cat Five field or Cat Four or Five field nobody there's any nobody's any good so don't worry yeah. about it like you get a free pass until you're a four. Yeah. And when you're a four, you still kind of get a pass until you, you know a you're pass, a decent yeah. four. Yeah, like so. Don't even you know you got plenty of time. Yeah, you don't even need to. You don't even need to shave your legs until you're a four. Seriously, embrace, no. embrace the fact that you can make all the mistakes you want and figure it out for as long as you need to. Um, because, Did you? Um, yeah. yeah, I guess that. Yeah, being a cat five, I, I wish sometimes I was a cat five still. I think like if I was gonna do a cat five all over again. I would do it with like the helmet mirror and go all out, <laughs> or like with the handlebar mirror, like do whatever I could just to be like that guy. Right. Yeah, you could still just put a handlebar mirror on your bike. I mean, you're you've got a titanium bike. I it's true. They send those yeah. with the bike, right? Hey, you know, I gotta say, guys, I've uh, since I got the new bike, I've been riding pretty strong, you know, and did a big uh, group ride on Thursday, and I was totally that guy that sat on the back in the sprinter's lounge the entire ride. And then when the sprint started, guess who showed up to the front <laughs> with about 300 meters to go? Andy this Chris? guy. I was, I was totally that guy. Um, and then on the Saturday ride, we went out to the big loop. And for a second, I was that Katusha guy because the three local strong guys all attacked. And somehow I found myself like suffering big time on their wheel for about half a lap. Maybe that's a generous. Maybe it was like a quarter of a lap to half a lap. But I was in the move, and I was suffering big time. But man, it felt good to be in the break in like about a forty-five seconds up on everybody else. So I'm getting there. I think a helmet mirror could be the the fuel that I need. Well, then yeah. you'd know what the gap was back to those guys behind you. Once again, the Slow Ride Podcast on. Facebook, the Facebook page is up and running. We also got the Slow Ride Pod on Twitter. You can email us at the Slow Ride Podcast at gmail.com. We also have the Wide Angle Podium Network, which they're adding shows weekly. And your support is allowing us to have uh, better microphones, allowing us to have. Um... What else are we getting? Yeah, we've never made any money doing this show. So the fact that we're starting to get generate a little income via the network is uh exciting so yeah hopefully we can we do more stuff like powerball our... tickets yeah that that would That's be responsible because then yeah. we could really get the team boat well guys it's been a hundred episodes of the slow ride podcast and i wouldn't trade in and eh, well a few of them i would trade in yeah but, 26 I mean, 47 and 53 <laughs> 
Oof. Yeah. 16th episode, I think, was highly underrated, and we should probably <laughs> just go back and re, re-edit it, and then uh, we could see, see what happens. But, guys, it's always a pleasure to do the Slow Ride podcast with you. You too. Thanks for the 100 episodes of talking about bikes and other nerddom. And with that, I think that all I'm going to leave you with is that Trek has a new bike where you can ladder, you can change your vertical compliance and your lateral stiffness whenever you want. And I don't know what that means, but all you got to do is unscrew a bolt. And with that, mm. we would like to thank you for listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. Always, always, always wave at your fellow spandex suit-wearing nerds that you find out on the road. Thanks to BK1 of Rhyme Series Entertainment. And we bid you adieu. Adieu. The Slow Ride Podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod.